Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 15 of the NBA Intel Podcast. Your regular co-host, Kim Bumani, is here with my main man, Clement Gibson. We've been out of commission the past two weeks, but we have returned to talk about some NBA playoff hoops as we close in on the NBA Finals. But before we go there, got a little bit topic to talk about. It's kind of went under the radar the past week since the playoffs have turned on John Morant, my brother. Involved himself into some more gunplay. And uh, he's got caught up again with the league. It doesn't look good for his foreseeable future. He may be out for a while. When it comes to the situation as a whole to you, Clem, um, how impactful can this be for the young man's career? And moving forward, what can Memphis and Morant himself provide to one another for the investment long term to be beneficial for both parties when it comes to talking about his NBA career? Yeah, I think long term, this is something that is kind of be do or die for him. Um, obviously, the first time something that happens is kind of super down the road, especially for superstars um, with his talent. And I think another sneaky thing where he has the advantage that a lot of people aren't, maybe not be talking about um, the Euros and the Africans and there's a big overhaul of international guys that are the face of the league right now. Obviously, a majority of the players are American players and um, for the longest time, the league has been run by American players um, as far as the players go. Um, but we're, we're in a, a, a situation now where a lot of the American players are not I'm not going to say at the level, obviously, but the top of the, the cream of the crop are Jokic, Giannis, and B, Luka. I mean, obviously, you still got Book, you still have Shaw, who we're talking about now, um, you still got Tatum, and more guys in there. But when you look at the cream of the crop right now, the young guys, the best guys in the league, they're all international guys. And Shaw is probably the biggest and when you're looking at the young Curry's still in the league, but the biggest young star in the league. Um, one of the most exciting players in the league. So I think that'll give him a little bit of an advantage um, as far as how many chances he's going to get with this. I don't think it's going to be the last incident for the rest of his career. Um, but I I want to say and I hope that this is the last gun-related incident. He still has some cases and stuff out here that are still open so, like I said, I think this isn't the last we're going to hear of it, but I think this is going to be the finding moment where he's going to either pipe down and go the right way or he's going to pipe down and go the wrong way. Um, ultimately, um, I see him and Memphis staying together, um, but I think that they have fractured that relationship a little bit. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Taylor Jenkins gets, like, the scapegoat for this. Because I, I can hear people saying now, oh, you know, he doesn't have control of that locker room. They need uh, a veteran or more alpha male in there leading those guys. Or John needs to have, like, security or a babysitter. And I don't think he's going to want that, you know. So, um, as we see, coaches get blamed for all types of things, whether they deserve it or not. Um, and I can see it either being um, Taylor Jenkins getting that, that um, the short end of the stick there, or... Child just, you know, having to serve more time because he's going to keep doing stupid stuff. Just stay on Instagram, bro. 
Nobody, you want to carry on your gun, carry your gun around. Just don't put it on the way. You're incriminating yourself. Still snitching is a real thing in these streets, and it's the downfall to a lot of celebrities, man. But with Ja himself, look, I think this is the defining moment of his career. I, uh, Unfortunately, I feel like he has a three-strike policy, and I feel like this is his second big one. Um, Obviously, down the line, are is there a chance that more things could you know come up and he's involved into some more drama for sure? But I think it'll be a little bit easier for certain things to maybe be swept under the rug if there isn't like visual evidence of him messing up. Um, but I think for his career, I don't know what the suspension entails. They've went kind of mute in terms of the situation, Clint. Like they talked about it for like a couple of days and then when the conference finals happened they just stopped speaking on it and so memphis and ja are kind of both in well i want to say memphis and ja i feel like the league memphis and ja they're probably all having conversations right now have probably had conversations the past week or so talking about okay how can we ensure he's given the right punishment and the requisite help that he needs in terms of memphis like what this does for their franchise long term i think like you said bro it puts a strain in the relationship but he's such a big star for them. He is their main attraction. They haven't had this level of superstar within their organization ever. Um, look, Marcus Saul, phenomenal player. Mike Conley, phenomenal player. Zebo, phenomenal. But they were more so like a collective grit and grind, hard nose, lunch pill type guys that kind of did it together. Morant is the star man. He makes all the plays. He's main attraction. Um, and I think the league, bro, they were really gonna push Ja. As the face, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with he is the most popular American-born player in the NBA right now Um, in terms of his swag, his hair, his, you know, debonair, where he comes from. Um, He's got the shoe with Nike. I don't think the shoe looks good, but, hey, it's selling. So, I mean, he's got all that behind him. And so for him to kind of fumble the bag, so to speak, right when everything was coming together because i honestly think the league was going to kind of market him like he was our generation's Allen iverson and i and i think he acts like iverson as well the problem is you can't be Allen iverson in this era like you can't just wow out and televise it to the world because from an image brand perspective in this time period corporations are going to look at that as well we can't have that guy sponsoring our sports drink we can't have that guy sponsoring our shoe that kids and other entities that don't look at sports as the dark side like they don't want that incorporated with their products so it's a tough position all around i i've heard 50 game suspension from some people i think he's probably gonna get 15 to 20 i think the max is 25 i've always said this you can't suspend the man more than miles bridges for beating the crap out of his wife i don't think you can do that obviously he's got a track record of being an idiot but in this situation technically he didn't violate the law now obviously there's a clause in the cba where because i had to do my research myself because initially i'm like oh he's playing with guns yet again very stupid however he's doing it in the off season on his own time so i didn't really think he could get suspended by the league but when the league came out well people who have league sources we're saying he can get some serious punishment. I was like, okay, what's the rule in the CBA? And it's basically like you can have a gun during the offseason. It has to be registered, though. Well, proven that it's registered by the team. And I find it highly unlikely 
that gun that Ja had on. <laughs> Memphis knows that's his and it's registered. So he's gonna do some time. Um, but I don't think he's gonna do more time than, you know, a guy that almost beat his wife to death. I remember Malik Beasley played guilty to two two charges and he only served twelve games. So I think they'll find a loophole to be like, well, Ja, you've kind of been an idiot for a minute. And we had an opportunity to punish you when you were beating up teenagers and, you know, trying to jump shoe store clerks. But we did. So now <laughs> we got to make you pay the price, give you 20 to 25, which means that, that changes a lot, though, for Memphis this offseason, because I heard some talks. Maybe they trade Tyus Jones for a wing. Can't do that now because Ja's not going to be there. So. Interested to see where this goes for the Grizzlies, but yeah. They saved um, a lot of money, though. They did save a lot of money. Every time Ja acts stupid, and that is more money saved. That's more money saved, like, bro. That's, that's, that's more money they could put into getting additional help. Um, yes. Obviously, once you're starting it, but that's, I guess that's a good way to look at it for Memphis. A great way to look at it, indeed. Now, tapping in, bro. The unlikely 2023 NBA Finals, bro. Feels pretty near. Now, I got to give my boy Clement some props, bro. Before the season started, he said the different Nuggets were winning the West. And at first, I scoffed at him. I'm like, bro, I don't believe in Mike. Bro, they don't play defense. I love Jokic. He's a dog. But, bro, I don't believe in the other two things, bro. And by midseason, I joined the bandwagon. I'm like, bro, like they, they like that, man. This is day season. And they are a game away. They play tonight, so by the time you guys hear this episode, they're probably in the finals. If not, they'll have a chance to get into the finals at home in Game 5. But, bro, I can say, we can say this, bro. I, I feel like they were, they've been the most disrespected top overall conference seed this playoff since the 2021 Utah Jazz. And like I just stated, they're a win away from their first ever NBA final. Then we got the Miami Heat, bro. It didn't look good for them in the play-in, bro. They lost to the Hawks. I'm like, oh, bro, I think they're going to lose to the Bulls. And even if they beat the Bulls, they're not beating the Bucks. They did in five games. All right, they playing the Knicks. I'm like, man, Knicks kind of rolling. They're not beating the Knicks. They did. Beat them in six. And then Boston. We both said, well, bro, Boston getting to the finals. We didn't expect them to win it. They finna sweep Boston tomorrow, man. Miami can be the second eighth seed ever to reach the NBA final. First one to do it in this century of NBA basketball. So, wrapping all that up to say you come before we segue into the main thing. A Denver Heat final, bro. Right, it's been alluded to, like, early on. Like, man, one of the lowest rating finals ever. Who gonna watch that since the bubble? But this matchup is really gonna potentially happen. And I feel like it's a potential benefit for the league's product going forward. And so my question to you, bro, is it a benefit or a detriment to the NBA product as we head into, honestly, the new generation of basketball. Man, 100% benefit. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for this battle, bro. I mean, we're talking about the battle of the disrespected, battle of the underrated, battle of the, the bubble losers. I mean, they both lost to the Lakers, one lost to, to in the Western Conference Finals, one lost in the actual Finals. Uh, battle of the one versus eight. I don't think we've ever seen that matchup before. Uh, battle of the unlikely, well, not unlikely because I said they was going to be there. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of benefit, I think. And people are talking about it's going to be boring, bro. People forget. Remember, Jokic, Jimmy, and, and the Morris twins and Jokic's brothers had beef. And they never really settled or got to the bottom of it. And I think, like, almost every time since 
since that since that um that heat and suspension happened for Jokic, I don't think the two of them have really been on the court together. Um, and I know Jimmy Jimmy has been on like a an SU tour. You know, he was talking crazy to, to Drew Holiday on your head, on your head. He was talking crazy in Madison Square Garden, telling all the dudes. Uh, Josh Hart, like, can't guard me. And then now you see what he's done to Grand Williams. You see what he's done to uh, Arthur last night. Like, he's not he's not holding no bullets, bro. He's letting everything out. And I can definitely see him, you know, being a little petty when, when they get there. Especially, like, if he scores on Jokic or if they get the upper hand in that winning series. Or uh, 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 leading in the series, I can definitely see him bringing that up. What what I would really love to see, Cam, I would like him, this most petty thing he does, bro. I would love him on behalf of Big Face Paul. Pay for the Morris twins to get course size six. He got to get them there, Miami. And don't and let it be the most subtle thing ever. Don't don't say nothing. Just. Oh, you know, hey, the Morris twins are here. You know what I'm saying? And they're on the sideline. That's <laughs> pretty. Yokin's brothers be at every game. <laughs> they do be at every game. So obviously, we don't want it to escalate past the court, but I think that would be great for the game. That would be great for just the drama of the NBA. And I mean, honestly, though, like both teams are like, I think their coaches, um, their stars, uh, like they, they all play hard. And I think they all believe that they're they can win. Like I legitimately think Spoon, that entire team, and Jimmy thinks that they're better than than them. Like, and I think that um, uh, Malone, Jokic, and that entire Denver team is like, yo, we've been number one all year, and both teams have been all year. Like, oh yeah, you know we're, you know, everybody underrated us. So it's like you can't. It's gonna be the battle of the underrated, so nobody can say, "Oh yeah, nobody." But both of y'all had the same story, so now it's, it's really gonna come down to it. And I think it's gonna be really exciting. Two really passionate, um, um, accountable coaches, two really aggressive superstars, and then even like the second star. I mean, like Bam versus Jokic. That matchup is gonna be crazy. I can see Jimmy guarding. Jamal down the stretch in the fourth quarter when he's trying to close the game for the two. Um, now, let me say this. Let's talk about this today in the barbershop. I think one major X factor is going to be Hero. As he's supposed to come back. And although he is a 22 point per game scorer, one thing Miami has really been able to do down these playoffs is like be on the court and not really have more than one weak link at a time. I know there's been some times where uh, Duncan and Love has been in the game, but Love is also like 6'10 and doesn't really play on the perimeter. So you can hide him a little better when they do home. But there may be some lineups where it's going to be now Hero, Duncan, and Love. And I can definitely see them, obviously, with Hero being the smaller out of the three him being attacked. Like, they weren't able to really, like, attack anybody. Um, other teams weren't able to attack anybody um, earlier in the playoffs. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they fit Hero back into it. 
I said in the group chat, I, I saw you laughed at it. Uh, so you're a hero fan, so I'm sure you, you didn't like it. But, I mean, if you get this far without hero, and y'all have a glaring weakness at, at the big man spot, the power forward center, wherever you want to play there, um, I think they should trade him. I think they oh, for sure. Him. For if sure. I, I can agree with that. Him, I would trade him for a power forward to center. You know, Gabe, Gabe Vincent has, has stepped up. Struce has stepped up. Caleb Martin's playing better. Like, Kyle Lowry's, uh, you know, playing like his playoff stuff. Like, I think this this offseason, Pat Riley has some choice words the last couple seasons for him. So, I can definitely see them moving on here. But, um, I'm a, I said my piece. I'm going to let you have him right now. It was a piece indeed. It was a piece indeed. Uh, look, man, I think I'm agreeing with you. This is hella beneficial for the league. And the main reason why I say this is I think it's time to push this NBA narrative as we head into post-super team era where you can achieve team success with at least two all-star caliber players and a whole lot of depth. And we're going to talk about it with the Nuggets, bro. Against the Lakers, they have five guys that are averaging averaging double figures this series. Led by Jamal Murray, give you 35 a night, 52, 41, 93 shooting splits. Then you got two-time MVP Jokic. We can agree, bro. He, he's outplaying Anthony Davis. He's averaging a triple-double, 27, 14, and 11. And then their role guys with KCP, MPJ, and Bruce Brown, who I thought was a solid, underrated signing for him. They're just outperforming D'Lo, Lonnie, and Schroeder. And even though LA's had success with Rui and Reeves, they just haven't had that collective success from the role guys like Denver is at. And I can say the same thing about Miami, bro. They got six players in double figures. All right. 47% shooting, at least from three, from three guys. Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, all guys that just attributed to what you said, they've made Tyler Hero replaceable. And I agree with you. I think Hero, yeah. Last couple of years, I felt like he was probably the second most consistent offensive player. He's expendable now. If you could flip him to get a big, do that ASAP. And then, yo, I've been hard on Bam a lot. I know Bam, you got. Ever since game five or the first round, he's been balling, bro. 18, 9, and 5 this series, 57% field goal shooting. And it's the aggressiveness. It's the assertiveness. That 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 little pull-up jumper that midi is hitting. It's yeah. falling. And when that falls, that's a problem. <laughs> because now he can get to the rack. Now he can finish around the basket. His confidence raises up a little bit, and he's playing. And I can't forget about the great Jimmy Butler, bro. He's giving you 26 points a game on 46% shooting, seven boards and six assists. Bro, I think this is the blueprint for the league. And I think a team like Phoenix should look at these two squads as, look, bro, we got Durant and Booker. If we can flip Paul and Aiden for some depth, we can be just like these cats next year. I mean, this is this is where the NBA is going because I know, look, the super team era is over. The CBA, they created the new collective bargaining agreement to basically challenge every team yo you need to draft well pay the guys you draft and add depth behind them but if you want quality depth you really can kind of only play two guys if you're gonna pay all your guys because you draft pretty well then you're gonna have to get your depth in the second round you know second round picks matter now and so team building is back bro like it's back like no longer it's Oh, we suck. All right. Trade deadline. Get two more superstars. And then, bro, that's it's over. Like, you got to build it in the draft in Miami. I remember when they sucked. A lot of the guys were like, bro, they got undrafted cats. I wasn't even saying they had undrafted cats. I'm just like, bro, I know what these cats can be. I just don't see it right now. They come in the playoffs. 
they ain't missed, bro. They've been on a hot shooting streak since the first round. But these are guys that they've had in their system for the last few years. Duncan's been on their team for a minute. Um, Spo said Gabe Vincent's been on the squad since the bubble. I don't remember, bro, for the bubble. Maybe he was coming off the bench. I don't know. You know, and you're getting quality winners from the Matabayo, former lottery pick, Cody Zeller. He coming off, bro, clashing the board. So team building matters. And then I can't forget about Denver. I think a lot of people, what they forgot about the Nuggets is, and I didn't think this was fair, Clement. I think you can agree. They charged to Yoke and Denver their last two playoff pitfalls. And I'm like, bro, like they weren't healthy. Last time they were healthy, they were in the conference finals in the bubble. Laker fans say the bubble was the toughest championship. I mean, bro, when they was healthy, they was in the West Finals. So now they in the playoffs as the one seed. Hella disrespected. I heard people say, man, the Wolves can beat them. Then it was the Suns could beat them. <laughs> then Lakers in five. I'm like, bro, what are we doing? And now, now it's, man, they always been good. Bro, y'all ain't always been saying that. Coming from me, I ain't, I ain't always said that from the rip. But I know truth when I see it. By the middle of the season, I'm like, they legit. And it was the depth. Like, I know what Yoke can do. I know what Murray can do. They're pretty much quality guys. But Bruce Brown give you good minutes. KCP is shooting like he back in the bubble. Aaron Gordon give you great reps. And then Michael Porter Jr., playmaker, bro, has six assists. Right? It's over when he passing up threes to make plays. Look, man, and then Mike Malone got his head out his butt and realized we're going to run this team through Jokic. It, that's it. So, great for the league. I know Cat Tatum because who, who thought Denver-Miami final? Nobody had that on the docket. But I think this has a chance. I think that's that's a 6-7 game series. That could go to distance. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a really good series. And I think for both teams, win, lose, or draw, even for the Miami Heat who are pretty old, I think getting here is a solid foundational piece for them to build upon moving forward. Obviously, you want to win it all. But for Miami, let's say they get they're gonna get there. Let's say they lose, but it's competitive. They could they can now pitch to free agents. Bro, we, we just need you, bro. Like we just need you. We can win it. You could you could go up to a dame. Yo, dame, bro. Like you could go up to a Bradley Beal. Not a big Bradley Beal fan, but if you could get him, like, so now you could recruit guys with the selling point of Yo, with Jimmy and our culture, we got the two finals. And it's even a better recruiting switch with all right, with Jimmy and our culture, we won a championship. So I think this is phenomenal for the league. I can't wait to see what this matchup entails. Should be a good one. Somebody going to get their first ring. Jokic yeah. or Jimmy Butler, bro. Somebody going to get it. Uh, it does look like Jokic indeed. Uh, number two, where does Boston and the Lakers go from here, bro? Both are expected to meet each other in the NBA Finals. We we know what those franchises mean in terms of the legacy of the game. Uh, but instead, they seem like they're destined to link up for the Cancun Invitational. Because, bro, they're not going to the Finals. But we're going to start with the Lakers, Clem. I know that's kind of your team. Kind of sometimes your team. Kind of not your team. Love, hate. But... They made several moves at the deadline, bro. Got them to the seventh seed. All right. They did beat Memphis. They did beat Warriors. Two upset victories. All right. Got to give it to them. However, their lack of shooting, LeBron's decline, and inconsistent point guard play has been their downfall in the playoffs against the Nuggets. Where do you feel they can go as a franchise to stay relevant next season? Well, we can agree the West is going to be even tougher. Yeah, I'm historically a uh, Lakers fan. Uh, retired my purple and gold in 2016. Uh, however, 
I think they stay put, man. I I think we're in this this era where like everyone just wants to react to the moment. It's like, oh, this happened. Oh, they're not winning a championship. We build it, tear it down. But then as soon as they tear it down, it's like, oh, this team stinks. We need to get stars. Like, bro, <laughs> you can't have some stars. Like, you have to slowly tear it down or slowly build up. You just talked about how the super team era is ending. And, you know, thank God LeBron got his championships when that happened. The CBA was around before then. Might be having a different story right now. But um, I think they stayed back. Um, I think they should try to re-sign Ruby and Austin, if possible. And I know some people are like, oh, well, they're, um, they're going to have to match some offer sheets and I think a lot of teams, I think San Antonio is probably going to go after Austin Reeves. Um, or maybe, well, maybe not really. They have some, some depth up there, the four or five now with uh, Victor and, and so on. But um, I can see them trying to go after Austin Reeves. But what the Lakers have in their favor, both guys want to be Lakers. Like, it's not just like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm going to go with the most money's at. You know, they might do that because they're all coming off their rookie contract and want to get paid. Um, but I think the Lakers have the edge right now because, number one, um, Rui Hachimori chose the number he chose, number 28, because of Kobe Bryant and Gigi. He wore two, he wore eight, uh, when he first started Lakers. So there's a connection deeper than just money for Like, I don't think you come out and say something like that if you're, like, not interested in trying to stay with the team. Uh, same similar situation with Austin Reeves. He's been called the Hillbilly Kobe, and LeBron has even um, talked about it, saying that you know he's had, which is I think it's so funny. Like LeBron has had conversations with <laughs> Austin Reeves <laughs> about who's the goat. Like I just think that's weird to be like selling yourself with your teammate. Like oh, I'm better than this person. I don't know, uh, but. He has admitted that when he got when uh, LeBron first got there, him and Austin used to argue all the time about Kobe and um, uh, Austin believes that Kobe Bryant is the goal. So once again, I think that that is something that the Lakers have in their favor. Both guys have a connection with the Lakers. Both guys have a connection with Kobe and would like to be a part of you know whatever happens after that. Obviously, they're not good enough to win a championship as the number one and two guy. But I think if Keith Davis tattoo, like we've seen, we, we know who he is at this point, right? He's getting older, so his durability is probably going to be less. But I think, like, and don't overreact. <laughs> he's not, he's not like as disciplined as Tim Duncan or a Hakeem, but I think. <laughs> Bro, oh my god. Oh, I'm gonna let you cook. I'm gonna let you cook, bro. I'm gonna let you cook, bro. Okay. Defensively, don't, don't take the offense out of it. Just defensively. Obviously, he's not on the he's not on the level of Hakeem. But I think he's he's not
just his length, his size. I mean, I'm sure his athleticism may wane a little bit the older he gets, but I, I feel like he's going to forever be like a guy who, if he's in the game and he's at the rim, guys are going to think twice. So even if he stays there and he's your third best player down the line, and the big piece here, I think Jason Tatum's going to be elected, bro. Jason I think, Tatum. I think he's leaving the Celtics. <laughs> he wants. He wants to get the Lakers over the hump and imagine the vitriol, the vitriol. Oh, the sickness! <laughs> if he were to go to the Lakers, all right, and I know LeBron and him won the championship in 2020, but there hasn't been a parade in LA since 2010. Yeah, we know the text that. Uh, Jason Tatum sent going into the finals last year. If he leaves Boston, who also has 17 championships, and goes to LA, who also has 17 championships, and wins that 18th title, I mean, come on, bro. You can't. That, you can't that, make it up, bro. The NBA, they would love it. They would love they it. They would. So, obviously, Tatum has not been up to par, but I'm, I'm trying to be a little optimistic the fact that he's only 26. Most guys hit their peak at 27, 28, 29. For sure. I don't know if he got the killer in him, but I think that he's good enough to be the best player if he's surrounded by guys who can, like, support him. Like, guys who can score in the fourth when he's not showing up. He ain't got that killer mentality, but I think he can be, like, the best player on a team that can win a championship over the course of the regular season and the playoffs. But I think in the finals, you need someone by his side. Maybe it's Austin Reeves. Maybe it's Rui. But that nucleus, Tatum, Rui, uh, uh, Reeves, Davis. I might come. I might. <laughs> Look, He's I might, I might come back. I might come back. <laughs> Damn, I'm hiking back on the court. You feel me? I might. I might have to get fired. You know? I'm going to go back. But yeah, man, I, I think they stay put. They let LeBron leave next year, and then they try to build around um, future NBA uh, Laker. It sounds wonderful. Um, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna touch the Tatum bit first. I I don't think there's a way he passes up on 360, bro. This offseason extension wise, but if he does, then I agree he won't be a Laker. That's all I'm. Mean. He's, He's gonna want to be a Laker. He's in Powerade commercials. <laughs> he got a max contract already. He got a shoe deal. Like he's That would be troll. Content indeed, but I, I do agree with you. I think LA could just stand pat, bro. Um, they could keep Austin Reeves and resign Rui because they both have their bird rights. Austin Reeves is a restricted free agent, so they can match whatever. And in the CBA, if you got a guy's bird rights, you can go over the cap and keep them without it going against you. So they got that going for them. Uh, I think they should resign Dennis Schroeder. I, I felt like throughout the playoffs, he's shown that he's probably a better long term option for them than D'Lo. And this is where things get a little spicy for me. So they said when the Suns were like, Chris Paul might not be back. The betting people said the Lakers number one. And at first, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, bro, nobody want old Chris Paul. But if you could flip D'Lo for Chris and tell Chris you coming off the bench to run the second unit, I'd do that. Like, if you could do, if you could pull that off, I'd entertain it. I would. Not saying it's possible. But we both agree D-Lo's not going to be a Laker next year, bro. Like, he's, he's just not, bro. Yeah. Look, 
phenomenal fluke playoff run. Okay, we can say it now. Okay, cool. Phenomenal fluke playoff run because I remember they was, they was they was down what? Like they was down nine against the Grizzlies in game four. He had three straight daggers. In my opinion, save the series because if those shots don't fall, they lose that game and they probably lose against Memphis in the first round. But he hit them. Cool. I'm not going to lie. Second round at times. He outplayed Steph Curry. Game six, bro. He sent Steph Curry home. But he was cooking. But then in this playoffs against the Denver Nuggets, in this series, he's been unplayable, bro. He's got cooked by Bruce Brown, dogged by the Nuggets coaching staff. Like, why is he out there? He don't belong out there. He's looked bad. And But, you know, he served what he was supposed to serve. He was a trade deadline addition, make them playoff relevant. That happened. I feel like if they could flip D'Lo for Chris Paul, do it. I've heard, you know, they could get Kyrie. I don't think they're getting Kyrie. I think Kyrie wants his money. I think Dallas is going to give him his money. So I think for them, keep Reeves, keep Rui. I think both are ideal. You can keep Schroeder at a at a bargain rate for sure. Um, if you could swap D-Lo for CP3, I'd entertain it. They need to add more shooters. Um, I don't – Kelly Oubre is available, but I think that's too much. If you could get a Tory Craig who's going to – you could probably get him for a minimum deal. If you could get a Watanabe, you could probably get them cats that could come in, shoot, hit threes, defend a little bit, a little tough. That's enough. But I'm saying the Lakers next year, I agree. Do what you didn't do after the bubble. When they won the championship in the bubble, bro, they, they kind of blew it up a little bit. Like they didn't keep guys and they got cute and they never were the same because I felt like they put a lot of tax on LeBron and AD to get things done. Reeves allows LeBron to play off the ball. Rui is an offensive option you can lean on in the front court that can give AD some reprieve. They just need more shooting depth. That's it. I think I like where the roster's headed. Um, so for the Lakers, brighter days ahead. I don't know about Tatum, like Clem said. I mean, Tatum sounds great, but I don't know if that could happen. But we are going to go on a team he is on. Boston, bro. They regressed this year, man. They did. They made the finals last year. They're not going to make the finals this year. Um, Joe Mazzula, to me, bro, he never seemed like the ideal fit this season. It showed against the Heat where he got outcoached by Spo. So to start it off, before we dive into what Boston should do, this time next well, not this time next year, but the start of next season, should Mazzula be leading the franchise as the head coach in 2023-2024? Um. I'm gonna lean towards no, and I'll give, I, I'll give a scenario for both. So, if they keep Mazuma, I think that they need to um, trade out Smart for someone else because the whole White Smart Brogdon, I just don't feel like they're getting the best out of each guy because they're trying to like for one play them at shooting guard and small four which I think White can play the two but I think he's best suited at the one or two like when they have all three of them in there sometimes he's at the three sometimes not as much at the three and I just think that's putting too much pressure on your like not only the front line to make up for the size but also like just the playmaking who's handling the ball and most of the time, even though those are like the, the ball handlers per se, the point guards, the ball's in the hands of Tatum and, and Brown, so they're doing a lot more standing around. So I don't think they're maximizing those two guys 
I think it'd be best to have uh, Brogdon running the point. And they need, I feel like the reason why he hasn't played more of like a veteran role or like a, a alpha role on that team is because he's, he's kind of like a reserve player. And I just don't think he's, one, he's not used to that role. He's been pretty much a starter most of his career. Um, and then it's, just, it's different when you're like the leading point guard and the captain of the team telling people what to do opposed to like, oh, you're the sixth man, you know? Um, so I think it's time to move off smart and maybe flip him for, I don't know, I would say a more reliable backup center uh, because obviously Williams has not been the most reliable um, and Blake Griffin's not playable <laughs> at this point. Uh, Luke Cornett, yeah, like that's not somebody you can trust either. Um, Horford has been steady, but he's getting older and older, so you cannot expect him to keep holding on this one. But I just think it's a bad look if this will be, what, three straight years now? He'll be bringing in another coach. Brad Stevens was there. His last year, he lost a lot to win. We all agree, hey, great developmental coach, but not the best of stars, all right? Brings in Yudoka. Yudoka's there for a year. At the beginning of the season, they're like, oh, he's calling his players out too much. This is good. This is a different NBA guy. He's false. He gets the best out of them. But we know what happened in the whole season. He's out. Missoula comes in. No coaching experience. He's uh, leads them to the best record in the East. He's an all-star coach. He gets the extension. And then now in the playoffs, I don't even think, I mean, some of it is him. But I, I, for me, I, I always put more emphasis on the players. And no matter what he draws up, no matter what he yells and hollers, Tatum and Brown have to go out there and catch. And I see it too many times where they just they play foolish basketball. Like just like we've seen, not to the extent I guess of a Memphis or a Minnesota Timberwolves, but they're led by two young guys. Like even though they've been to a lot of conference finals and the finals, they still have a lot of growing up to do. Like not not so much like off the court stuff, but just like knowing how to operate under pressure in the most important moments. And Missoula, I don't think, has had the experience enough yet to do that. But I just think it would be a bad look if they bring in a fourth coach for the fourth straight year. And that's not something you want to sell to Tatum, who's going to be a future Laker already, um, or to Brown in the future. Like, hey, yeah, like, we're committed to y'all, but every single year we're going to change our coach. Because the next year, I can see them doing some dumb stuff like bringing in a Doc Rivers. Because apparently everybody loves Doc Rivers. Yeah, they love <laughs> he's him. Great at interviewing, <laughs> and people love him, and he's a great at he's great at selling that he can get stuff done. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I can see them doing something dumb like that, and then that's not working. And then it's like, okay, are you gonna go into fifth coach in five years? At that point, you can't even be mad if Tatum or Brown won't see. So that's one of the things. On the other side, I think they let him go because, you know. Obviously, I don't think he's prepared for this position. I think, if anything, you bring in a veteran assistant coach or maybe demote him to an assistant coach. Knight um, hurt his ego a lot, so I don't. I would bring in a veteran assistant coach to kind of help him from the side. Maybe a Frank Vogel. Um, maybe a, um, I don't know, who hasn't been coaching in a while. Uh, who, who did we see on his uh, bench? Um, uh, Steven Silas. I don't know if he's the strongest 
Um, no, bro. <laughs> but, um, at least, at least Frank Vogel has like an expertise on defense. I think he can, and he's won a championship, and he's been a coach for decades. You know, um, so I think he can be like kind of like a um, a veteran presence there. But I just think it's kind of like you win if you don't, or win or lose, no matter what you do. But if it's up to me, I say you keep everything pat. I think they. Let go of Smart, um, and then they just try to either bring in a new coach or bring in a, 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 a better assistant to help lead Azula in um, those like difficult moments where he's not full the time. That's where he's, his ego's getting the best of him. He's getting snappy at the media. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, pretty solid points. A couple points you made uh, kind of line up with mine. Uh, I did not know Joe Mazula was 34 years old. He's 34 years old as a head coach for a Boston Celtics squad that was in the finals last year. So to be honest, I got to give him props to bring them back to the conference finals, bro. Like he, it looked like they were left for dead last series against Philly, man. They were down 3-2. Tatum found himself offensively. He made a lineup change to kind of play Horford, played two bigs, and it worked against Philly. That That's obviously not working against Miami, bro. So for me... This is what I feel Boston should do. Call me the coach killer because if I feel like you can't get it done, I want you out of there. And more times than not, I'm pretty accurate. Now, you know, Mike Malone, he beat the Chargers. I'm happy for that, man, because he's getting the best out of Jokic. But I said Budenhoser should have been out there a few years ago. He's gone. I said Steve Nash, not that guy. He's gone. I've been a little bit iffy about Bickerstaff from the play in last year. He didn't deliver. I think he's one more year away than he's probably going. I'm going to give Taylor Jenkins the benefit of the doubt. He's one more. What the? And then he's probably going. So for Missoula, I think they should move on. But I don't think it starts there. Number one, I think they should truly start entertaining trading Jalen Brown for some all-NBA all-star talent. I, I, considering. Considering. Uh, all-NBA. I'm going to bring some guys. I know he's just all NBA, but look, they are going to have to pay both of these guys, him and Tatum, $300 million plus. I don't think they're going to do that for both. I don't. I think they'll do it for Tatum because Tatum is their franchise. But I was talking to my dad about this. He brought up something I forgot. Boston never wanted Jalen Brown in his 2017 draft class. They didn't. They wanted to trade that pick. you know. But they got him coming out of Berkeley. He was a slashing wing who was ever so developing offensively, but he was like a slashing defensive guy. Kudos to him, went into the lag, got better offensively year after year to where now this is his best season career-wise. But he hasn't played well in the playoffs consistently, and he's played abysmal this series against Miami. Um, And we all know why. He, he can't dribble. <laughs> so, hey, Miami wrote defensively. They clogged the lane. So that guy has to play in traffic. And usually to play in traffic, you got to have a tight handle to at least get to the rack or at least get to your spot. He has neither, so he doesn't get to the basket as much anymore. And now he's selling for fadeaway tough pull-up twos, and he's always been a streaky jump shooter. So that's why he's averaging 10 points a game. I'm going to just be honest. He's played worse than Tatum, but we get it. Tatum's the punching bag. He's easy to diss because... We expect more from him. So when he doesn't fulfill his potential, like not scoring any points in the fourth quarter, we hard on him. I get that. But I say entertain trading Jalen Brown for a Trey Young, a Dame Lillard, 
maybe even a Zach Levine. Like those type of guys where it's like, okay, if I can swap you out with an all-star caliber guy, I do it. I'd honestly go to Atlanta because Atlanta doesn't really rock with Trey Young either. Now he kind of saved in my eyes maybe his career there by balling out relatively at a high level against Boston. He played well in game five and in game six, he was cooking. It's just Boston flipped that switch and cut the water off for him defensively. If you could swap Jalen Brown with Trey Young, that's a dub. Now, to me, that's a dub because Trey Young and Jalen Brown, to me, you're not going to like this. I, I think they're the same guy, bro. I, I, I really do. Like, I think they're not number ones, but I think on a championship caliber team, they could be twos. And if you have him running the point, he could play through traffic. All right? He takes dumb shots, and he's hella undersized, and he's not a great defender. But he can play through traffic. He can make plays. He can set up superstars. He could feed the bigs. I, I think Robert Williams and Horford, we agree, are sometimes underutilized. Um, Robert Williams, is, when he has been utilized this playoffs, he's been cooking. He just ain't been utilized enough. So I think if you can swap with JB for a Trey, Jalen Brown goes back to the crib. Boston gets Trey Young. Salaries, in my eyes, it works. And... I do agree with you with this. You trade Marcus Smart because they got too many guards. And if you could flip him, you said for another big, I say for a three and D guy because they're not going to bring back Grant Williams. He's a restricted free agent. They're not going to return him. So if you could flip a Marcus Smart for a Sadiq Bay, a Dorian Finney-Smith, or just get rid of him and dare I say, not a fan. But if you could get a Dylan Brooks for the cheap, on a one-year deal just to come off the bench and be a win guy, that's something. And so I think for Boston, they're in a tough spot because they've been to the conference finals, what, like four times out of the last five years, and they have not won a championship. And at first it was like they're young, they're figuring it out, they'll get there, and Tatum is nearing his prime, and so is Jalen Brown. And it's clear with this duo, somebody said on Twitter, they like the Oklahoma City Thunder, bro, where they get to the conference finals and they lose. Uh, with the exception of that one finals run. I don't think, I th honestly think the Thunder are, were better. They just ran into, like, the Warriors and the Spurs. So this can't get past the Heat, bro. I'm sorry. I'm trusting Westbrook and Durant to beat these dudes. But I was just saying. But anyway, um, so I think you got to entertain blowing it up. But I, I say this. Entertain getting rid of Brown for another All-Star. If you can't. Then extend both, run it back another year. If it doesn't work another year, you got Jalen Brown on a crazy contract at the prime of his career where he can get better. You could sell that off to somebody to get somebody else in. So I think, you know, I think that's what you do. And then with Missoula, before you add, you add what you have to add, um, I drop him. You, you did bring up something that I thought was valid. If you could keep him and give him a vet assistant, that's not bad. But I drop him and I entertain Ty Lue, Sam Cassell, Nick Nurse, Monty Williams. Now, it looks like Nick Nurse might be the coach of the Bucks, which I think is a huge pickup for Milwaukee because he's part of that last three for him. But I, I, like, I like Sam Cassell, bro. I like Ty Lue's options. If you could get those two guys, one of those two in the building, they're going to be better. And I think Monty's a little bit overrated, but I think he's better than what you have. And he led a team to a final. Yeah, he did ostracize DeAndre Aiden. That wasn't good. But he got the best out of Booker. And with a Suns team with Durant coming at midseason, they did take the Nuggets to six games. And if Chris Paul doesn't get injured, 
I think that series goes seven. Do they win? No, but it goes seven. So <laughs> they don't win. But so I think those are all better options in Missouri. I think they need a vet, bro. They need a vet that's well treaded in the league that could come in and be that calming force, establish a pecking over and a culture in the regular season. So we're in the playoffs. You're not going off a of random offensive plays and Tatum and Brown to bail you out from deep. We need some diversity. We need some fluidity on both ends. I think all of those options are very quality for them. But like you said, you, you're saying it's not a good look if Boston gets another coach, third coach in three years. They just gave Missoula an extension. So it's going to yeah. be even worse to just get rid of him as they extended him. And I thought them extending him was too premature. Yeah, he was cooking in a regular season, but I saw their style of play, and I didn't think three-point shooting and half-hearted defense was going to be good enough to win a championship. And it's not going to be good enough to get out of the East. So your final input on what I had to add. Yeah, I love the Monty Williams and uh, Ty Lue. Um, those Tyler was one of the guys I had on the list. I thought if you bring, if you do get rid of uh, Missoula, that's the guy you want. Um, and obviously Monty Williams, both experienced coaches, both. Um, well, Monty didn't win a championship, but got a team no final. Um, both respected, more laid back but assertive, um, stern guys. Not to the level of Yudoka, like do it my way or else, but. Right at that line, you know. Um, and I think they're just respected around the league. So I would love to see that. Um, as far as the Brown thing, I just don't think you should trade Brown. Because, like I said, whether you believe it or not, I think that Tatum is not going to be there long term. And I think Brown is somebody who actually would like to be there. But he only wants to be there if they want. And to the point that your dad made, they've never really wanted He's always been like the first one to have to sacrifice for that team. Um, so I don't think you trade him just because, once again, I would rather have my team competing every year in the Eastern Conference Final, which they virtually have been since the two of them have been there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like not having them. And then when Tatum's getting flamed out in the first or second round every year, then the fans would be like, why don't we get rid of Brown? We had such a good tandem. Um, so I think you stay with them for that that sake alone until you find something that can improve the team for sure. The trade for Jalen trade, um, I like more for Atlanta than I do for um, Boston. Boston. I think yeah. that Trey and Tatum is a terrible combination. I don't think Tatum is a good off-ball player. That's the problem. And I don't think Trey Young makes wins better. I think he's a guy who Similar to James Harden, he will amplify bigs. Like, Capella looked like a star playing next to Harden. Um, but I think he would really elevate Robert Williams, maybe even uh, Al Horford. But I think Tatum and him, it would be like, your turn, my turn. And then when you look at what would you do with Derek White and Rodgers if Trey Young is there? Like, I like, the, I like Tatum at the two. Brooks at the three. You talked about bringing him in. Um, and free agency, Horford and, and Williams, that way you can hide trading. But what are you going to do with Brogdon at that point? Because I don't think he's going to want to play down trading. You can trade him for more pieces, I guess. But um, it was the last point. Interestingly enough, I would rather see him in Philly or Miami than I would in Boston. I don't know how it would happen, but I think I just don't think that that's going to mesh well. 
Um, but yeah, those are my last points there. Um, we'll see what happens, but I think they should stay packed because they're gonna be crying in a couple of years when Tatum leaves. Tatum leaves. That's <laughs> nah, but I agree with you. I don't think. Look, you only move Jalen if you feel there's an offer on the table that makes your team better. If there's not, it doesn't make sense to, like, get rid of him for consolary pieces around Tatum, no matter how good you think Tatum is. Because what we've seen since Tatum has joined the squad, him around the budding star-level activity of Brown, you get at least to a conference final every year. With the exception of that one year where... Kyrie was on the squad, and then they lost in the second round to the Bucks. But outside of that, when Kyrie's not involved, you get to the conference finals. So I agree. Like you don't want to like ah well let Brown walk, and then you go back to being first and second round exits, kind of how they were when it was just Paul Pierce. This is before the big three. Like it was just Paul Pierce. You first round, second round exit. So they're in a tough spot, bro. Because I I don't think they can run it back. I, I don't for them to be successful. But I also don't think they need to really blow it up either. I just think Demoti Missoula, um, getting somebody else in there as a voice and right, trading smart, I, I think are three game changers. I, I think three, because I always felt like, bro, I felt like Brogdon should have been starting day one. And he never did. He never did. And now we see the side effects. So He's too good in my eyes to be coming off the bench. And I just feel like at this point, he does everything Smart does better. Like, I always yeah. thought Smart was kind of an overrated defender. Um, he's not a bad scorer, but when his shot isn't falling, he's going to start forcing the issue as a playmaker, and then he's going to start flopping. Like, he's one of the worst floppers ever. So, uh, it, yeah, man, I mean, it is what it is. But Boston got some tough decisions, so we'll see what they do. Going forward, uh, two more topics before we wrap this up. Let's go to this draft lottery. The San Antonio Spurs, bro, they won it. They won the lottery, which means they're going to take Victor Wimbanyama. Now, I did not know, Clem. This buddy, buddy loved the Spurs. He was like, bro, love the Spurs growing up. Huge part in France, which makes sense. Tony Parker played for, played for the Spurs. He's from France. I get all that. So that made me be like, <laughs> potentially rigged. Who knows? But a uh, 7-5 freak <laughs> of nature. <laughs> He's been regarded as a generational talent. He can affect the game on both ends of the floor. His potential to a very young but underrated Spurs core does what for the franchise in the next three to five years? Well, I'm going to speak on the league perspective more before the Spurs, but um, I think this, him going to the Spurs, brings the NBA to the, like, the closest to the equilibrium that I think we'll ever see. Like, I feel like every team generally has hope. Like, there's every team in the league that has, like, a marquee of potential battle. We talked about this before the draft lottery. Um, like, Detroit, you have Cade and Jalen Ive. Uh, I mean, you can even look at Jalen Durant. Like, he had a really good rookie season. Um, and then they got Wiseman as well. Like, so you have a lot to look forward to there. Charlie, you got uh, Melo, and I think they're going to go with um, Brandon Miller. We'll talk more about that later. But regardless who they go with, you're going to have two potential all-stars, all-NBA guys for the next three to five years. Orlando, you got Paolo. You got Fultz, who's been playing way better. 
You got uh, Wendell Carter uh, Jr., who's still there. You got the Wagner brothers leading by um, Franz, who I think is going to be an all-NBA player uh, in this league. Um, Washington may be the one exception. <laughs> uh, I mean, they got Neil and they got Kuzma. So even if they, if they wanted to, I think that like they're next up to get like that number one draft, uh, number one pick draft. But they still got Beal. They still have uh, Chris Fox. Kuzma. They got Porzingis. Yeah. Yeah. They they almost made the playoffs this year. They uh, did. The they did. So, they like, did. They had. Yeah. You know, there's some hope there. Um, Indiana got Halliburton. You got um, Matherin, uh, Miles Turner. Matherin, Miles Turner. You got yeah. guys there. And then in the West, we talk about Wimby now. Houston has all the guys with Green and Jabari. And Sangoon, I know you're not big on it, but I am. Uh, Portland, Shaden Sharp, you still got Dane, and you have Norfolk Portland, so there's potential there. Utah, you got Walker Kessler. Who Walker up Kessler, marking it. Right. Marking yeah. is still there. Um, so every team, obviously Dallas and Portland, but, you know, they are losing. So they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, so every team now has a marquee and or a potential upside guy that the organization and the fan base can say, hey, I want to watch them because I want to see what's going to happen. Whether or not they're going to win or not, I just want to see how this team works, how this line progresses. Now, Vegas is going to change the face of, uh, of San Antonio. The only issue I have with him is interest. Every guy over, what, 7-4? It's 7-3. Oscar 7-3 and up to Kareem. Some say he we're actually 17, but he was Mr. Tucker, like 17. Um, but Chris Scott, we've seen the injury. Um, Bobo, we've seen the uh, Manubo, we've seen the injury. Um, Yao Ming, we've seen the injury. Like, I just don't know if the physicality of the game is going to be something that he can, like, withstand for a long career. I think he's going to come out the gate scoring 20 a day. Easily, probably might score like 25 because it's so much easier to score in the NBA today than it is in like your basket. We've seen Giannis say, we've seen uh, Lucas say, we saw Ruby Hachimura, what he did in uh, in your basket. We've seen uh, Laurie Market and all those guys like in bigger roles. Now we're seeing them like, oh, okay, they can score in bunches here. So I think he's going to put up numbers. Um, I can see San Antonio really. Forming a, uh, a team full of vets around him, along with the young guys they currently have, to create a roster that's going to compete. And, like, I think they'll be competing for the play in next year. I think they'll make the playoffs the year after. And in that third year, I think that's going to be the breaking point. Because one thing I've heard about him is that he's very alpha. And he's not, he's not like a, uh, he's not like a, I'm going to come in and like, Yell at everybody, like, what do we do? He's not like a Kobe or Jordan level alpha, but he's like a LeBron. But he's like, if he's if he's upset, he might be a little passive about it, but he's gonna be like, look, things need to change, and he's not gonna be scared to like sit down and and and, and uh, talk through confrontation. So I think the whole Duncan comparison, obviously the the level that he may get to, I think yes, is Duncan level, but as far as his personality. I'm interested to see how that goes well with Pop because David Robinson was not a very confrontational guy. Neither was 
Manu, at times, he was a bit of a head case. Um, but Manu wasn't always conversational. He was very selfish. Um, that was just their organization. And Pop is very alpha. Do it my way. You know, this is what we're going to I'm sure he's going to make some exceptions for uh, Wendy early on. But I'm very interested to see what that chemistry looks like. If Wendy comes in, like you said, I want to win a championship right away. And I think he means it. <laughs> like, literally, I think he means it. Um, I listen to Brian Rivers uh, and people like the podcast all the time talk about how smart he is, how competitive Wendy is, and how he's like somebody who's like not going to settle for anything less of like greatness. So it'll be interesting there. I think that's the main thing is just his health. And uh, if he's going to want to be the like, the selfless culture guy that the Spurs will want him to be, or will Pop be willing to basically hand the franchise over to him, or would he say, over my dead body, and y'all gonna have to keep Big questions indeed. Big questions indeed, man. I haven't really tapped into his personality. If he's got that LeBron in him, things can get spicy because we, we yeah. know. We know. How, however, I don't think Pop's going to be there long enough for, I think, their little riffraff potentially to matter. Like, I think I can see Pop being there for Vic's first four years and then probably by year five, Vic might have a say in, all right, bro, like, who you want to coach you? And he could be like, oh, I might want this guy off the bench, or I may want somebody else around the league who I think vibes with me perfectly. I, I thought I read somewhere Steve Kerr, maybe. I, I I read that. We'll see. Look, for the Spurs, let's go with the now. For the Spurs, I feel like their core is hella underrated, bro. They got a lot of underrated 25-year-old cats, and Vic coming in, I think, will fit with them seamlessly. Uh, Keldon Johnson, for stars. He's a 6'5 tweener. Uh impactful three-level score think he has a paul pierce feel type to his game he had a career year last year bro he averaged like 22 points a game devin Vassell before he got injured this past season was a career high 38.7 from deep he gave you 18.7 a game that's a three and d guy jeremy sohan their last lottery pick from a season ago give you 11 a game five boards six nine versatile forward i know he's trying to kind of attribute himself after Robin, I think he's a more versatile level player than Robin ever was. Um, when I look at this Spurs squad, bro, they just need a veteran point guard. And I wouldn't be shocked if they got a Fred Van Vliet for a pretty affordable price to run point. But um, they have a core with Wimby being incorporated to where, like you said, they can make the play-in. And they cannot just make the play-in. They can mess around and make the playoffs. And I can see by year two or three, them being a legit playoff factor in their own division. The Spurs are in the Southwest division. They got Wimby, Pell's got Zion, or oh, the Ghost of Zion and Brandon Ingram. Dallas got Luka. Grizzlies got, hopefully, Ja. And then the Rockets maybe have Edoka, Jalen Green in the, in the game. So that's good. that can be a very competitive division down the line. But Wimby Yama is the truth, bro. Like, I think he has a chance to be a top 15 player all time. And if he could be that for this franchise, they're going to win a couple championships. And he's already made the price go up in San Antonio. They had talks about potentially leaving San Antonio, going to Austin. But you get Wimby, that's not happening anytime soon. I heard they built a $500 million practice facility. I heard just from Wimby alone, 
Duncan, Parker, Ginobili are going to be back incorporated with the organization more than ever. You know all the superstars that like the Spurs, superstar celebrities, they're going to be back as well. He has a chance to be a big of a superstar that they've had since Kawhi Leonard. And when Kawhi was there before he left, they were in the conference finals. And he has a chance to take them to that next level. Spurs are in a very fortunate place. I understand why a lot of teams were taking for Buddy, but he was only going to go to one organization. I think he went to the one that he fucks with. Oh, my bad. That he likes. <laughs> that is going to make sure um, he's taken care of. And they're going to get the best out of him. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. And um, Spurs will be on national TV again. You can book that opening night. They're going to be there. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver win the championship. Denver Spurs opening night. Jokic, Jokic and the boys get the ring. First Wimby game on TNT. Bro, come on, bro. I, I, that's too easy, bro. Let me make the schedule, bro. Like, come on, man. That's easy. But um, the Charlotte Hornets, bro, they're picking two. They jumped the two. A lot of people didn't see that coming. They're either going to pick Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. You feel Brandon Miller is the better fit. Tell me why is that and what he could potentially provide for the Hornets as they expect to have Melo back from injury and Miles Bridges from suspension early on in the season. Yeah, I think he's the better fit just because of the size and the playing style. Um, with Scoot, I think Scoot is a point guard first, and I know he said that he can play the two, and he's a score first point guard. But I think when you look at his size next to Lamelo's size, Lamelo's six 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 seven, so it's like he's the size of most uh, wing players. But yeah. he's a thinner guy, and he's not an aggressive guy, and he's not a defensive first guy. So even though Scoot's probably going to have the athleticism to play defense, like a John Morant, I believe, um, he's only 6'2". So you're, comparing, you're putting him in the backcourt with Lamella Ball. Like, those are it's going to be walking buckets for the opposing team, like especially early on as Scoot adjusts to the NBA pace and all of that. Number two, on the offensive end, Scoot's not a – school or like a shooter I should say. He's not a no. guy that you want to stretch the floor. Um and even though Lamelo can shoot the three, I think he's one of those guys who's better at scoring at the dribble from three, not necessarily uh catching shoot guys. So yeah. I think if you have both of them in the backcourt together, you're not getting the best of this guy. Um unless you're staggering them and bring them off the bench, but you don't want a guy like Scoot coming off the bench, messing with his morale. Um and then, also, I just look at the length that they can have because, like, I think that can be their model for their team. It's like, like a team full of guys who are all like six, 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 seven to like six, ten, and then obviously Mark Mark Williams in the paint. So you have Mark Williams, a defensive force, right? And then you bring back, you know, I think they're gonna bring Bridges back. And they will. PJ Washington, Washington, yeah. So you have two really athletic fours um, who can stretch the floor a bit, and then Brandon Miller, who can also stretch the floor, also do some playmaking. And he's 6'9", long arms, defensive guy, has some athleticism, was compared to Paul George, that's his NBA um, uh, comparison. So I think you put a lineup out there like that, like with P.J. Washington and Bridges being 6'7", 6'8", at the forwards, they're undersized, but you have Brandon Miller with 6'9", and Miller at 6'6", 6'7". 
at the guards. Like, that makes up for the size they lack. And then you have seven-foot Mark Williams defending the paint. Um, I think that's, like, a good lineup. The only problem I have with them, I think they'd be, like, a Memphis 2.0, where, like, Melo's a very smart player on the court, but his personality doesn't strike me as a guy who I want to lead my team. Uh, and Brandon Miller, although I've, I've heard he hasn't gotten into much trouble outside of the Alabama situation, it's a serious situation. And For obviously, sure. right now, with everything going on with John, the last thing you want is to bring somebody in with gun charges or pending gun charges, especially when yeah. it's led to somebody being killed. Um, yeah. And then, speaking of uh, a guy killing a girl, we talked about Bridges and yeah. how he almost he killed a girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, he could have. Yeah. He could have. Right. It's just, it's just going to be a a very young, immature, potentially troublesome team. Um, and I think for a team like that, we talked about Monty Williams, Ty Lue, Like, I think you would need a Ty Lue, Monty Williams, you don't get type of person to probably lead this team. And for I sure. just don't know if they're going to be able to get a guy like that to come in there and do that. If they can, if they can sell yeah. them on the job, hmm, like that'd be a great, a great place to like for Monty Williams to start his next chapter. Um, but that's what it would take. Um, and Portland, I think that um, I don't think Scoot fits there either. Poor draft. Um, I think he would have been best in Houston, which is we'll talk yeah. about it. Hard. Yeah, we we, we gonna get that. We gonna get that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think Portland's gonna end up trading that third pick. They will. And if I'm them, I'm shooting for Embiid. Like, why not? You're not getting Damian Lillard is not getting younger. I, I know. I don't think they will. But if I'm them, I'm throwing everything at the door saying, what do you want? Because for me, similar to, I don't think Tatum is a number one on the championship team. I think he can maybe help you get there or help you close. But I don't Where? think he can be the guy you can rely on to be close. And I think okay. that's what number one can do. Same with Dan. I think close. I think I did help you get to the playoffs and and uh, throughout the playoffs. Um, but I just don't think anybody but an Embiid level player is going to help them get out of the second round because Jokic is still there. FDA and 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 the OKC boys are coming. Uh, Memphis is still around even though they got their issues. Uh, Phoenix ain't going nowhere either. Um, I mean, Golden State ain't, ain't made no changes yet. Minnesota, Pelicans, like, there's just, there's just not much room to play. That's true. Not much room. Uh, yeah, I'm, look, Brandon Miller, um, I ain't gonna lie, bro. He kind of sold me, bro. Like, I was thinking, like, dang, bro, he is 6'9", bro. Put him at the two. Everybody 6'7", in that starting lineup. The defensive switchability is there. Terry Rozier off the bench. I agree. And and the coach that they have now, Steve Clifford, there's one thing he was irate about all year. He's like, bro, we don't play defense. Like, I, he had a special press conference that dropped. It was funny because he was finna say, man, you can't win a championship just playing offense unless you – and then he stopped. And I knew he was going to say – Golden State, but even Golden yeah. State played defense, so that's cap. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's cap. But uh, look, man, for the Hornets, I'm I say Scoot, and it's because when I saw Scoot play, I'm like, yo, he remind me of Russell Westbrook, um, supreme athlete, productive playmaking ability. He's got a mid range jumper right now. That's what Russ really didn't have coming into the league. 
And he said he is willing to play on and off the ball. And I don't think he's capping. Like, he's athletic enough where as a backdoor cutter, he, he could be phenomenal on lobs. And, bro, they'd be an all-time transition team with Melo running a break. Bridges on this side. Who scoot on that side, bro? It rim attacks all day, but he's 6'2. Gonna improve the long ball, um, and he's gonna get hunted defensively, so he's gonna have to bring that. But I think I'm leaning scoot because we got to acknowledge the elephant in the room. LaMelo ball, he got paper for ankles, bro. Like, there's no guarantee he's gonna be able to withstand a rigorous regular season moving forward. I think it's an easy fix, though. I think stop rocking the Pumas. Might need to get something else. I think it's the shoes. Uh, you need to hit up Curry and be like, "Yo, bro, what you put in your shoes?" To stop the ankle injuries. Right. So, so it, it is a worry. I do think they're gonna move Terry Rozier. I don't think Terry Rozier is gonna be on the team anymore. And so, and Dennis Smith Jr., who gave him very good minutes this year, he's a free agent. So they're kind of stacked on the wing. I think they're gonna Bridges is gonna be back. They're going to bring back Kelly Oubre. So I don't think there's this paramount need for a wing like there is for a guard where if you do get scooped, it's obvious like him and LaMelo are going to play together in the backcourt. But you have an insurance policy just in case LaMelo can't hold up in the next two to three years. You have another guard that could come in and run the point. And I do think this about Scoot. Um, I don't know, like, because a lot of people said if Victor and Wimbledon didn't exist, Scoot would have went number one. I don't necessarily agree. I think him and Brandon Miller are kind of equal, to be yeah. honest. Like, I don't think you could go wrong with either one. They have their pros. They have their cons. They're not can't miss prospects, but they're safe bets. So if you get them and they just play to their ceiling, uh, well, play to their floor, you got a nice NBA player. If they play to their ceiling... You have a potential perennial all-star, future all-NBA guy. Um, so I think for the Hornets, I would say Scoot because of the guard concerns. But I do think you can't go wrong with Brandon Miller, bro. Like I, The only issue I saw with Brandon Miller, bro, is struggles to score through contact. But that's easy to get fixed, bro. Just get in the lab, get stronger, um, get used to the rigors of NBA basketball. He can learn to be a better contact scorer. That was Brandon Ingram's problem coming out of Duke. And now, even with his frame, he can score through contact. Portland rounds out the top three. I think they're trading the pick. We agree. They're not getting the B, bro. So I'm not even entertaining that. I think the reality is they could probably get OG and Pascal Siakam. Because I think Toronto is in rebuild. I think Toronto's in rebuilding mode. I think they would be like, yo, can we get Shadon Sharp in the third pick? I personally wouldn't trade Shadon Sharp because I think Shadon Sharp could be a potential all-star. But if the Blazers are that desperate to create a win-now team for Damian Lillard, by the way, bro, this is so stupid, bro. Portland, just blow it up, bro. Like, Dame, bro, don't listen to Dame. Listen to reality. You're not good, bro. <laughs> like, you have a chance. You have a chance, bro. Like, with the third pick, you either go get Brandon or Scoot. Imagine a Scoot Shadon backcourt. Bro, you said. You yeah. that's something to build with, you know. Let me, let me ask you something. What would Portland have to throw into the pick into the deal to get Scotty Barnes? To get Scotty Barnes. But do you think he's he's not? He's off limits, bro. He's off limits because I think I think Masai has convinced himself. Dude, look the way Toronto's so the third, doing it. The, the third overall pick, Shadon Sharp. Okay. Uh huh. 
and Anthony Simons. Did not give him a Scotty Burns? No. I'll take that. I'll take that for you. I'll take that if you want Pascal and OG. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Now, now look. You, now can, look, you can no. draft Scoot. You can draft Scoot, and uh, you have Shadon right there. You got your backcourt for the future, and then you flip Anthony Simons for a starting small forward, a power forward. You keep Pascal. You're not, bro. Anthony Simons is not getting you a starting caliber small forward. He's just not. Now that third pick. That third now now that third pick that third pick potentially will for a team that's ready to rebuild. Like I think Toronto, the way they're doing their coaching search right now, bro, they interviewing Steve Nash, right? Like they're basically saying we rebuilding. So we're that's why we're doing an elaborate coaching search so we can settle on a rebuilder to come in a placeholder. Of course, of course, yeah. But what they basically say. He's a great rebuilding piece. So I mean, <laughs> bro, like it. I Portland is simple. If you want to help Dame win, you go to Toronto and say, "Yo, we'll give you a third pick and either Shade on or Anthony Simons for OG and Pascal." If we need somebody else to add in there to make the salaries work, we can do it. Have a nice day. And if I'm Toronto, I'm saying, "Cool, give me Shade on, give me the third pick. We good." And the winner of that trade would be the Raptors because. They have shade on Sharp and what? Potentially Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller to go with Scotty Barnes. That's a young core in Toronto. You have all their bird rights. You can build for their in the future, bro. Portland's stupid. They should just blow it up. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, bro. I don't get it. Dame Lillard in his kind of prime. You could get a hell of a haul to go with the third selection that you could be like, this is so easy. Bro, if this is on 2K, I'm doing it, bro. Like, I'm, I'm moving on, bro. I don't, I don't I think, understand. I think both sides are scared of the backlash. I think Portland, especially because I think Dame, Dame would go on, like, a media tour on, like, the whole, like, these organizations are loyal. These, you know, these owners ain't loyal. This is why guys, but I think he would, like, really be hurt. Because I think my thing with him, I think he's a loyal guy, but he's also like he don't want to be in a situation. It's not like a Jordan or Kobe's gonna come and like, hey, y'all better do this. But he has full control over everything in court. He's he not gonna have that anywhere else to go. And no. anybody who goes to another team's like franchise. They usually have like they usually like the second cousin. It's like okay, like you here, but this ain't your team for real. Like you know, correct. Like you know, I mean, you know, your boy KD went through the same thing. He was he won finals MVP, but they were still it was still like then the respect. It wasn't it's real, team, you know. Yeah, like if, if Dane if Dane has a problem, and let's say he goes to Philadelphia, like they're gonna be like, well, we gotta go, we gotta ask him first. He not gonna like that. Especially if he, he feels like he's accomplished more than a being time. I think that's the main thing. They don't want to get publicly shamed for uh, letting go of Dane. And I don't think Dane wants to, like, lose the power he has. But they should, they should try Yeah, they should. They should. Um, Houston and Detroit round out four and five. I don't know where they will go. I'm going to be honest. The draft kind of drops off after the top three. I mean, maybe Houston could do one of the Thompson twins. Cam Whitmore is an option for Detroit at five. 
I'm gonna really dive into like we're we're both going to during the offseason for sure. Dive into these prospects and kind of feel like where we feel like these guys could fit and maybe even develop mock drafts for ourselves. But as we round it out, bro, Harden to Houston. Clem, you know, I told you, bro. I told you, I told you during the Christmas. I was like, hey, bro, y'all, I'm hearing Harden to Houston. He's like, bro, that's stupid, bro. Ain't no way. That's cap. That's cap. But according to rumors, James Harden to Houston is like the worst kept secret of NBA free agency. While he is 33 years old, and he is kind of declining. He's still a very good playmaker. That could give the Rockets a young, that could give the Rockets, not a young, but a quality PG they so desperately need. Is this the fit that's the best of both worlds in the short term for both parties? And if so, at one cost, because I've heard 200 mil, bro. I'm not giving James Harden 200 million dollars, bro. I, I'm, that doesn't make sense. Um, now, before you answer, Paul George had Jalen Green on his podcast. And he made some leading questions, basically saying, yo, Jalen, um, I heard they want James Harden on the squad. I feel like James Harden would affect your game. Um, do you feel like that could happen? And then Jalen Green's like, yeah, you know, that could be a, a blessing or a curse. I'm like, Jalen Green, buddy, buddy, you're not that guy, bro. Like, bro, you're on a bad team. You need help. So Jalen Green not feeling Harden coming there. But I think Harden's coming there, bro. I really do. Are you buying into the reality of Harden being a Rocket? Well, first of all, it's not a reality because it hasn't happened. And it's not going to happen. It's not, it's not, not going to happen. Okay? Look, I did some digging and I did some listening to some podcasts. And apparently, the reason why he wants to be there, I think he said his mom still lived there. And uh-huh. when he went from OKC to Houston. Like, the way they embraced him, he, like, never felt like that type of connection since he left California. Um, Obviously, he grew up in um, in, uh, uh, California, and anyways, he, he feels connected to Houston. But the part that, this is what James Harden's going to say. This is the analogy I thought. It's like, it's like you had good experiences with an ex, but you know, like, it's not gonna work. Y'all broke up for a reason, all right? It, it was good while it lasted, but it doesn't work because going, he's trying to go back to the exact same scenario, but he's not the same player. So he's gonna get there, number one, and Doka's there, and Doka don't play that. Doka's the defensive first guy. He he is. You're not lying. And he's and bro, he's not going to like. He don't care if you want MVP scoring titles. Like bro, he's he's a Spurs Popovich guy, bro. They they got strict rules. So if you come up in there acting foolish, which we know Harden gonna do, because that's he will. That's at least what he thinks. (laughs) It's his city. They got his jersey in the strip club. So he's gonna come in there like. Yo, I'm James Harden. I was the MVP. I'm arguably the second best Houston Rockets since Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay, but like, you know? yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm on my time. I'm back in my city. Madoka's not playing that, bro. He's not playing that. And what's going to happen is they're going to – I think if, 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 if he goes there, I'm saying it right now, he 
he will be there less than a year. He'll be there less than a year. Less than a year. He's going to get there. Yudoka's going to put his foot down. He's going to, like, prioritize the young guys, as he should. Um, yeah. And, and Harden's not going to like that. And he's going to end up leaving and going somewhere. If he wants to retire and move to Houston and live there and invest there, whatever case may be. That's different. Yeah, there, that's fine. But I feel like he's trying to, like, He's trying, uh, we're trying, he's trying to get that old thing back. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to relive the past, bro. But it's like, you're not in the past. Anymore. College was fun. We love Jackson State. All right? But I'm not yes. going back to Jackson State. All right? <laughs> I'm not a 22 year old college student. He's right. to be 26 year old James Harden again. It's not happening. But that's my take on it. We'll see. And a sneaky spot for Joe, uh, Joe Mazzulli. I think. I can see that as well. Not bad, not bad indeed. Now, Harden, you were spitting, bro, and any other logical person would understand the facts you were spitting because it's, it's true. But, you know, James Harden astrology chart says otherwise. So, that boy going back to Houston, bro. The bottom <laughs> line is... The bottom line is, bro, he's cool with the owner. And here's a tidbit that I forgot. You probably forgot, too. He broke up with them. They didn't want to get rid of James Harden. They wanted Harden to stay there to sell tickets. I get it. And Harden was like, bro, we ain't winning. And I think that was at a point in Harden's career where he was like, I'm going to try to get a championship. And we're not getting one here with the ghost of John Wall, old boogie cousins. And who else was there? I don't even remember. So he was like, get me up out of there. They did that. Now, I did hear he didn't want to go to Brooklyn. He wanted to go to Philly. But KD and Kyrie was like, bro, I, really KD, because KD, that's his guy. was like, bro, I, I like you, bro. I love you, bro. Come over here. We're going to hoop. And then Kyrie happened. COVID happened. Harden falling off happened. That's who and all. It didn't work out. He goes to Philly. And I thought, I think he enjoyed Philly. I don't think he enjoyed the pressures of the playoffs and Doc Rivers. So I think that's why he's like, eh, eh I like you, Maury. Right, all right, I know. You know, correct. But but I think in his mind, he thinks, I mean, I've been coached by worse. Like, Doc be on my head. So, okay, you know, might be on my head. But guess what? Strip clubs, Houston. Home with the fam. My city. I get to be back. I'm kicking it with the young cats. I'm cool with the young guys. But I agree. Um, it ain't gonna be how he think, but I he's gonna get the bag and he's going back to Houston, bro. I, it's just it's just too easy. And I think the reason why is because he's chasing the glory years. But a lot of these old heads have. Durant has, Braun has. Um, in a weird way, Dame is. That's why he can't let go of the co-reality. It's over. Russ is. Russ chasing a man who gonna love me like OKC did. No one, Russ. No one will. That's not how it works, buddy. So I, I but Hard Harden has bro, Harden has a chance to do something that a lot of these other cats never I, I think if Russ had a chance to go back to OKC, he would. They don't want him. I think if I don't really think Durant cares about going back to OKC, but but you know, like, hey, I mean, if Dame can stay in Portland, 
and get everything he wanted, he would. And he still kind of wants to, but, you know, so with Harden, he's going to Houston. Now, how do I think it affects the team? It's not a good sign that Jalen Green, who he's cool with, is kind of like, yeah, I don't really want Harden here because he's going to take away my shots. I feel like I'm the best player. So I'm like, bro, Jalen Green, you're not that guy, my buddy. But you know who will love James Harden? The Pigs. Sengun will love him. Jabari Smith will love him. Tariq Issa will love him. KJ Marr will love him. They're going to get hella good looks. And the past eight years, James Harden's a walking 10 assists per year. This is what he does. So they need a point guard. Now, granted, in a perfect world, I would love for them to have Scoot because he's like, I don't know, 12 years younger. But you got Harden. All right. Harden on this team, on this team, he, that's at least 35 wins. Udoka, better coach. That's at least 10 wins. So that's a 45-win season. So they're relevant again. And that's all the owner wants. He wanted he wanted Wimby. They couldn't get him. All right. So the next best thing to Wimby is Harden. All right. They probably gonna get a Dylan Brooks. So there you go. They probably gonna pay Cam Johnson a huge bag. And they might be able to get him. So you get your defensive guys. So I think Udoka probably is telling ownership, look, I know you want Harden. Cool. You can have that. I need me about seven to eight guys that's going to play defense, and then I'm good. So then you don't go, like, I could put up with hard not playing D because I got seven, eight guys that can't. And if he wilds out, I can sit him. Now, look, logically, me to you, if I'm Houston, would I bring back James Harden? Hell no. But, <laughs> hey, we not logical, bro. The owner cool, is cool with him. He love him some Harden. Harden knows he got the city on lock. You already got the Houston fan base kind of like, hey, I'm cool with Harden coming back. And honestly – what leverage did Houston have, bro? Like, they suck. They're not good. And so, if Harden comes back, they're an attraction again to the city. They become irrelevant and competitive again for the city. So, that's kind of good. But, from a logical basketball sense, why are you bringing James Harden back? I don't I don't understand. He's 33 years old. He doesn't play defense. Um, You got a new regime in there who's going to challenge the young guys to be consummate professionals. Well, do I trust the leadership of Udoka and James Harden together? I don't know. I don't know, bro. And Harden, the vet, that's a lot. So, but I think you're going to Houston. And uh, don't pay him $200 million. Please don't do that. You don't have to do that. Give him four for 120 Give him that Tyler Hero contract. Say, it's this is your legacy deal. That's the problem. No, that's the, that's the bigger problem. He's not, he's not coming back. On like, oh, I'm gonna take a pay cut. He's coming back home. Like, I want to be a max guy. But 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 it won't be a pay cut though. It won't be a pay cut though if nobody else is gonna give you two hundred, bro. Like, it's not a pay cut. That's what the problem. That's what I'm saying. That's I feel like they're gonna come to the door with issue because he's he's gonna come as much as Tim uh, Timur Fatida may want him. He's gonna come expecting to be paid like the MVP hard, and I think. Not to jump. Team is gonna be like, look, we want you back, but this is the world we want you in, which requires this amount of money. And he's gonna look around and everyone's gonna be like, We ain't paying you that much. He's gonna have to force himself to take less money. So I think coming to the door, he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder. Number two, he played fifty eight games this past year. Okay. I'm gonna bet the under on that. All right. On top of that, he may make the the, the bids look good. But he's also, like I said, going to take the ball away from him. And I think Shingun 
plays best with the ball in his hands. In his like, hands, that's true. I think he's like a Jokic this player where like player. I think in their perfect offense, they got Jalen uh, Green off the ball, flashing, cutting, and then Jabari spotting up on offense, and then you have Saint Cone kind of working his way and picking apart the defense. Harden's not gonna want that, all right. And when he faces some uh, backlash and uh, pushback, and he's not performing, especially on defense, because as much as he's going to help them on offense, defensively, they're going to have to work twice as hard. And when he gets called out, I'm telling you, he, he may go there. He may go there. But I, I'm telling you, it's going to be under a year. Because he's, he's he has expectations, and they're not going to be met. And it's going to reach a breaking point by, like, all-star break, where he's going to be like, well, I just don't feel like since I've been here, I've been treated the way I gave y'all a break. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went to y'all to rebuild. Like, he feels like he's doing them a favor, and they feel like they're doing him a favor. So <laughs> somebody's going to be upset. Because, you know, like, I'm helping you out. No, I'm helping you out. <laughs> Man, you it's not. It's going to be good for drama. Hey, it's going to be great for drama. You not lying. Bro, you spitting. And all I could do is laugh because... It's probably gonna end that way, <laughs> but in in the moment, he, he he going back to Houston, bro. Like it's just it just is what it is. I think it makes them a better team, but I don't. I agree with you. I don't think it's better enough to where you can tolerate the BS that Harden probably gonna bring to the door. Like I no, like all right, you're gonna go from lottery to playing, cool, but headache Harden. I don't know, man. So just a lot, a lot to be considered, a lot left to be desire but man great segment bro great segment indeed man uh, it's gonna drop tomorrow currently the nuggets are playing i don't even know what the score is so maybe they up maybe they down who knows uh but um great segment with my guy clem um kind of like i told clem before the episode started sometime next week i'm gonna try to bring on a whole cast of characters from at the whistle bro we're gonna have a little nba finals podcast preview that should be a good one um, Deshaun gets to talk about his heat, bro, because uh, they they in the finals. They didn't expect it, bro. They in there, and we we gonna chat from there. But without further ado, man, this is your boy Kimboy Bumani, my main man Clement Gibson. We'll see you guys on the other side when we know the NBA finals for sure. I think we have an idea. But until then, peace. Jason Taylor, future Lakers.